Tell us about your friend, Brian. I have a buddy. Oh. I have a friend. Yeah, what Christian said, saying, um, Love me like a brother. Jeez. Oh, That's now. Nice. There real. is no judgment. <laughs> I don't know the words. <laughs> well, I'll say we went two different directions. Peanut going on two again. Rolling out with these hooligans. Listen, man, all we do is win. About to make chubby fellas cool again. That ain't happened since Escobar. It's friends and family. Who the rest of y'all? My God. Miss on the shame, man. That's the campaign. Man, I've been shining with the chains. And welcome to another wonderful episode of the Hooligan Hideout. My name is Christian. As always, I am joined by Hunter and Brian. Hello. Hey. Today we are gonna be talking about vulnerability. Wow. Being vulnerable and, and talking about our feelings and, and all the uh countercultural ideas of being an American man. Um, all the mush. But before we get into that, Brian. Oh, hey, bud. What are you mad about today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm you, okay? Um, well, first off, I'm a little upset. One, that I lost in fantasy out of two out of my four leagues. That blows. But it's whatever. I'll get past that. My main thing that I'm worked up about is my boy Joey B and his bum leg was a bum on the field. <laughs> and... I had to sit at a Browns fan's house with another Browns fan and watch the Browns beat my Bengals <laughs> again. The Browns are the main reason I don't go to Bengals games anymore. Mm. Last, like, three games I've been to, no, two out of the last three, have been Browns games. And you know what happens every time? They get whooped. Yes, dude. Get the whooped. one in Cincinnati, Denzel Ward had a pick six for 100 yards. Saw that happen. I cried a little bit. Then I went up on Halloween last year to the one in Cleveland where we got smoked in a Wouzier Torres ACL. I'm just, I'm not doing it no more. I'm not doing it. I'm not wasting my monies. But I didn't waste my monies, and guess what? I'm still sad. But you know what makes me feel a little better? What? Steelers suck, too. <laughs> hey, uh, all I got to say is we scored a touchdown, and the Bengals did not. So uh, Tell me what that does for the rankings. Nothing. This ain't college, big boy. Yeah. You can either get an L or a W, and guess what you got? We both got L's. Big old fat L. Yeah, big old fat L. You sound like you got a lip in. Yeah, I tell you what, back in my house, this little backer, little red man. <laughs> yeah. Went wow, out there shooting some man. ducks and bucks, oh, and I'll tell man. you what, bud. Going out the, the old school dip. Yeah. Red man, the long cut. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Red tail? No, red man. red man. Red man. Yeah. Come on. That comes in the pouch. doesn't even come in the can. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, big league chew, but the real version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What you upgraded <laughs> to so when funny. you were old enough. When you were 13, back yeah. in the Sandlot days. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Did they ever show what league. brand that they've got in Sandlot? Oh, I don't know. Do you remember? Nope. Mm. No idea. It was that style of chew, though. Yeah. Like in Sandlot where they uh-huh. like pull it out the pouch and it's pack it in. Now that's what they're doing. It's not that fancy Copenhagen wintergreen. We're like, oh my god! And they pack dude. it in. <laughs> so dumb. Dipping's so stupid to me. So Did you ever dumb. try it? I have tried it. Oh, okay. It's disgusting. It. I mean, it's not the greatest, but. So, it's bad. Did you ever try it? No. Good, I never had an interest choice. in it. Good choice. I tried it because my dad did it for like 15 years, mm. and then he stopped doing it. I've never really understood, like, getting your tobacco that way. <laughs> Fair. But. Yeah. Fair. It's gross. Especially when you got the dip, the spit bottle, and the truck at 90 degree heat. Uh, it's so gross. <laughs> you know what's worse? 
when uh, you pick up a drink thinking it's a drink. And you drink it. And you drink it. My buddy did that a couple times. That's why yeah. I don't have, I don't like, mm-mm. I have, I have a friend of mine that dips and like, if I'm around him, I'm like, all right, which one's yours? <laughs> and I just like stay away yeah. from whatever can or bottles around him. Cause I'm like, no way. Why do I feel like it's always a Mountain Dew bottle is the spit uh-huh. cut too. Because it's a very Always. specific kind of person that dips. <laughs> yes. Dude, that's funny. <laughs> and those are the specific kind of people I hung out with when I tried dipping as well. <laughs> and my buddy is that specific kind of person. <laughs> and that's fine. Those are great people to hang out with. But stereotypes exist. That's all I'm saying. They do. They do. I have a question for you guys. Nope. What? Um, so uh, news came out today that um, the government of Mexico mm. uh, released pictures and they have scans of old mummified alien uh, bodies. Do you think that's real? No, probably, probably <laughs> not. Why does he look exactly like ET? He does look a lot like ET. If I don't look know at why the I said picture. He, it looks a lot like ET. I didn't oh, even yeah. see it honestly. It, you didn't see the picture? Yeah, no, I didn't even like, pull it up. It looks one. Why are we mummifying aliens? Or it's just their bodies don't decompose, whatever. It's relevant. It's a whole other tangent. But it looks so fake. You literally just like, there's no way. It looks like paper mache. Like someone's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. our project, it's good. <laughs> We're good now. Oh, look, it's an alien. Yeah. Mom, look, I made an alien. <laughs> Mom, look what I made. <laughs> See, it's Bro. so fake. That looks like the alien from uh, Men in Black. You know what else The one that me like of? dies in the dude's head, you know what oh, I'm talking about? Yeah. Where he's like the robot, and he's like... slumped <laughs> over. Slumps over. That's, what, that's the alien he looks like. What else that alien looks like? What are they selling? <laughs> chocolate chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> They're selling chocolate chocolates. Chocolates. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so is it real? Do you think it's real? Like concrete, you don't believe it. Honestly, at this point, man, like, <laughs> who knows? So, what are the Mexicans trying to distract us from? <laughs> who knows, bro? I don't know. Why are you asking me? I don't know anything about the Mexican government. Hunter, um, I think they're trying to distract us from the fact that they raise the prices of quesaritos. <laughs> I can assure you that the Mexican government has nothing to do with Taco Bell's menu. Are you being stereotypical right now, sir? Yeah, that's really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I don't think that they have quesaritos on the menu anymore. So they didn't raise the price. They lowered the price. Yeah, there has been quesaritos on the menu for a long time. Are you sure? Because I had a quesarito two weeks ago. Nah, you didn't. Here in a high, I did. I don't think and you did. I, I, w- Dude, w- I asked run for it a, by me again. <laughs> a steak quesarito. Did you ask for it, or did you order it from the menu or like from the app? I said, hey, can I get a steak quesarito? They were like, check. They probably, they they said, probably okay. just made you one then. But it's mm. not technically on the menu. You got the hookup. But you can still ask for it. Hey. And it's just kind of up to them if they want. It's, they've got all the ingredients. Like, it's true. You just, just got to take a uh, quesadilla me. and just... Mm. Make a burrito out of it. Too floppy. I love, I love yeah. me a good quesarito. I want Taco Bell now. Can we stop talking about this? Yes, yeah, we, we can. Need to stop talking I'm about hungry. Taco Bell. Yes, we can. Hunt, or Christian's over here trying to get on a fitness kick. All right. Oh, uh, how was that fitness kick? Did you talk about that last episode? No, no, I wasn't on it last episode. Yeah, this is new for him. This is new. Oh, okay. I just so started like the whole thing like two days ago. That's awesome. Uh, at least one of us is like taking care of ourselves. Yeah, you know? one of us. <laughs> I mean, 
I can do it for like a couple months and y'all can still catch up pretty quick. So hey, that's not true. It is true, but I appreciate it. It's not true. How's it going though? It's kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. How's your body feeling? One to ten right now. Right now, I'm very sore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of par for the course, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, the program that I started is the um. Oh, what's it called? I forget the acronym for it, but it's Orion Tactical. It's the guys I was showing you that mm-hmm. have the little... Um, the Bible thing? They did the little Bible with the Texas loot. Yep. Um, they have like a whole training course um, that they put out. And so mm. I've been wanting to do it for a minute. So I went ahead and, and bit the bullet and did it. Nice. It is not made for someone my size. It is made for someone who is already in a pretty decent shape. But hey. But you're making it work. You're improvising. Something adjusting. like that. There we like go. That. So we'll That's what you got to do. We'll make it happen. I love That's it. awesome. Love it. For real. All right. You said we're talking about vulnerability? We are. We're talking about, I don't know. It was Hunter's idea to talk about this. I don't know why. Talking about vulnerability, yeah. huh? Uh, I brought up this idea, what, like a month ago? Maybe two months it ago? It was a minute ago, yeah. It's a long time ago because uh, I think most of the people that I would say most people listen to this are guys. We have some girls, which is awesome, that we have a wide audience of people that listen to this. Um, and one thing, growing up, uh, not just in church, but just in a mid-suburban American family, uh, vulnerability um, was a sign of weakness and did not uh, show any masculinity if you were being vulnerable. And I think now in our culture in the world that we live in today. Uh, I think, especially, not just in the world we live today, but for us that are Christ followers, vulnerability is one of the biggest things that you could actually um, lead your life toward because I think vulnerability is so important uh, because if we aren't vulnerable and we aren't willing to um, express you know some of the things that we're going through or express some of the real issues that are happening in our minds and and even physically mentally spiritually vulnerability is what kind of pushes us forward mm-hmm. and I think what we've seen uh, when it comes to our own families and when it comes to people um, when they lack a vulnerability there's something that is holding them back from experiencing that freedom or experiencing that um, thing that you know, that could help them point towards the right direction. Um, and sometimes vulnerability is the first step to like true progress. So like, for example, if you're wanting to get physically healthy or become fit, you have to be vulnerable enough to say, I am not in good shape right now. I need to be ready, you know, because one day, especially now I'm a dad, I need to be physically fit and ready to be there for my family. And so that takes a lot of courage to own up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are going through really hard mental struggles, mental battles, in order for you to get the help you need, vulnerability is required. And so I would love to just talk about it, like our own personal experiences, because I think when it comes to vulnerability and the idea of it, um, it's kind of a newer concept for men. Maybe not newer or just a more um, learned concept now uh, than before. But my question is why? Why is that? Why is it that generations before vulnerability was a sign of weakness and not actually a sign of strength as it's viewed now? It's a big question. It is. Um, 
I feel like it was probably viewed as a sign of weakness before because it's looking like you don't have it all together. Like you said, you have to admit that something is wrong or something is lacking. And as a man, I feel like your natural tendency a lot of times is to protect, provide, support, like any of those natural things. That's what we all think about, whether it be wife, children, family, parents, like whatever it is, like you want to protect and provide and be like their rock at all times. And if you say, hey, I'm depressed, hey, I'm struggling with this, or hey, I'm sick, or hey, I'm whatever it is that you're struggling with, it shows that like you're not all together like you want to be. And that's probably why it was viewed as a negative and a weakness is it was like a chink in your armor of where someone can get through Mm -hmm. and not just get you, but get your family or something like that, no matter how you view it. So Mm. that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think like, um, definitely. And like not our parents' generations, but the generation previous to that, it was very much like gender roles were a huge thing. Mm -hmm. And like, the man was the protector and the leader of the house and the whatever. And then like the wife was the, the, you know, the one that took care of the kids and took care of the house and blah, blah, blah. And like, I think that overall, like as a society and as a generation, it, there was obviously a lot of misogyny. Like you're just going to have to accept that. Um, yeah, there was. I don't want to necessarily use that as like a buzzword or like start that whole, you know, conversation about whatever, but, but at its core, yeah, it was misogynistic. It, there, there was a, a feeling of that where it's like, well, men aren't allowed to feel this way because we're superior and we don't, we don't get hurt. We don't have emotional damage. We don't have blah, 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 blah. And I think it also probably comes from a society that saw a lot of war and saw a lot of conflict, um, saw their parents go through a lot of war and a lot of conflict. And so, I mean, if you really think back to it, like our grandparents and then their parents, their parents were the generation that went through World War One, and then our grandparents were kind of the tail end, if not the beginning of the generations that went through World War Two. And so like not saying that only men fought in those wars, but a pretty huge majority of the people who fought in those wars were men. And like women obviously had direct influence and direct impacts back home. And like you see like the Rosie the Riveter kind of stuff like that. But the people who physically saw war were men. You also see um, the early onsets of PTSD, the early onsets of emotional damage and stuff like that that just wasn't known back then. Like you see like the thousand yard stare and stuff like that. Like they would call that what we call now PTSD. And like a lot of those things just weren't understood and weren't whatever. And, and so the general just idea was, ah, just tough it up. You know, just just get through it. It's not a big deal. And so as culture just literally went around that and just cultivated around that toughen up, you know, get over it kind of ideal, I think that it just trickled down into to lower generations. And as we're starting to get into a generation that, that is thankfully mostly in peacetime, at least in the United States, it's like, okay, we get to sit back and say, all right, so like what's what's actually going on and kind of start to unpack all that and, and work through we as a, as a species as we're understanding our emotions and our whatever a little bit more, like really figure out what all that means. So I think that just as a whole, um, like as a, as a society and as a culture, there's a better acceptance and understanding on like, you're a human. You're allowed to have feelings. 
And I think there's, as we go, like, grow more towards a society that breaks down the the idea of, like, a traditional household, which I have my opinions on, but we'll, we'll get into that some other time. Um, the goods that do come of that is that, you know, women can be the leaders of the house and men are allowed to have feelings. Those are two really great things that come from that deconstruction of what is actually going on you know what i mean so i think that's that's really off op- op- like i think that's really what it comes from is just a society that really didn't understand a whole lot about mental health and was pretty much going through constant war for like 60 70 years yeah so i think when you're talking about the war portion of it it triggers something else in my head that made me think that to an extent especially as men whether it be that time or the generational trends since, um, I feel like there's an aspect of you didn't have a choice to feel or to express. You go back to those days when you're literally in war, your emotions and what you're feeling is literally last on the list. It's you have, an, you have a job, you're assigned, you have to finish this, nothing else matters. Like, oh, your arm's like half falling off? Tough luck, dude, push through it. <laughs> So if we're lo- if they're having to look at their physical bodies that way, they're not going to care what's going on inside their head. Yeah, yeah. and they're going to push that away. And I I know that to an extent of like growing up in a family. I won't even say like a home, but a whole family, um, extended family, and everything where men didn't show emotions besides anger. Um, growing up and learning like oh emotions are normal. I'm allowed to process this stuff and have different emotions and feel different ways. I didn't have that chance growing up. So like I'm literally going through a lot in my life where it's like I'm having to rework it and like yeah there is a good aspect of like especially when you're struggling with mental health like to an extent of like no, I'm going to keep pushing through I'm going to keep going to work I'm going to keep doing this like I'm not going to let it stop me and like freeze but I also have to find the balance of I'm not okay and I do need help yeah. and I need to find a balance of like yes I need to do my part but there's clearly something that I don't know that I'm literally ignorant to that I need taught of how to apply this. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Especially if you're like that that term that you said deconstructing. It's it's really hard to wire your brain into like a sense of being vulnerable and realizing in areas of your life where you need help because you've grown up under um, you know, a a family or a home or whatever where you're a man your role is to do nothing but carry burdens and um you're the fixer you're the you're the one that has to have it all together because you have to fix everything and um i just think me personally i am not that fixer uh, as much I do have like that attitude sometimes to where I want to be the fixer but bro I can't fix crap <laughs> and so like like there's things that I I couldn't in, put my input in but like there are certain things that I know that I'm not good at and I think one big threat to vulnerability and one threat to you know getting better and moving forward is pride our pride easily gets in the way especially us as men um, our pride gets in the way of truly moving forward in life. So for me, I'll be honest, when it comes to, you know, like fixing things or when it comes to doing things in the house, um, I will be so prideful and not ask for help even when I don't know how to do something. And when I mess it up time and time and time and time and time again, the thing that makes me so mad is my my wife says, 
I can get my dad to do it. Dude, <laughs> I hate that phrase. So I'm like, no, I can do it. Yeah. Knowing dang well that I cannot do it. So when our sump pump went out, I know how to do it, but I was determined to try to do it. So six hours later, she's like, let me call my dad. I'm like, no, no. She ended up calling her dad and we have a new sump pump. And so it, it, it can come to a point to where our pride gets in the way so much to where we get crushed by the things that we're carrying, the things that we're feeling. And I think all of us around the table can say that there has been um, we've had moments of breakthrough in things in our life, spiritually, mentally, physically, because we were vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you guys, this is a little deep, is, has there, was there a time in your life where you had to be vulnerable with what you were dealing with? What was that like? And how did you go about it? I mean... There has definitely been times. I, I will say I'm I'm very lucky to be in a marriage where I don't feel like I have to carry it all the time. Um I am I am very blessed in Megan and I's relationship where I can just be like, Hey man, not doing well and like it's I don't feel like I'm burdening her and she yeah. doesn't feel like I'm, you know, dropping the ball or anything like that. Like I've never had that feeling. Um, and so at least since I've been married and for a majority of the years going up to being married, I haven't felt that way. Um, but definitely like in high school and like kind of end of elementary school and stuff like that or not elementary school, middle school. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, there definitely was times in my life where I'm like, all right, you just got to pack it away and deal with that stuff later. And, um, it, I mean, it ruined relationships for me. Like it completely destroyed my relationship with my dad. Like me and my dad reached the point where I couldn't even stand to be around him. Hmm. And thankfully we've repaired that, but like, and it's just because of, I, would experience things and then I would just stuff them away and stuff them away and stuff them away and stuff them away. And then either it would turn into anger, it would turn into resentment, it would turn into frustration, it would turn into sadness or it would turn into straight up depression. Yeah. And it's like, because I never took the time to categorize and like process what all of this was and say like, okay, I need to take this to him and be like, Hey, we need to talk through this. And I need to take this to her and be like, Hey, I messed up how do we fix this? Mm-hmm. And I need to take this to him and be like, Hey, I messed up or you messed up or we messed up as a group. How do we fix this? Like, but I didn't, I just said, it's okay. I'm just going to put that down here and then keep on keeping on because other people are relying on me right now. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it, it led to a period in my life where I legitimately just was unable to feel anything mm. because I didn't allow myself to mm. Dang good repeat the question for me yeah so um talking about like vulnerability like what um why am i forgetting my own question um do you remember what i said <laughs> as he takes a drink, <laughs> a drink. Um, no he asked like um do you remember a time in your life where you had to be vulnerable mm-hmm. mm, okay. like what was that like yeah how and how like how'd you go about it like maybe it was with a person or with I don't know. Um, like an easy cop out one, obviously, it could just be like 
you mentioned earlier, being vulnerable to yourself and realizing you need help. I've talked on the podcast a lot about going to counseling and it's new. Like that was something I would not have let myself do Mm -hmm. literally just a year ago. I had the mental stigma of like, you're not going there. You're going to figure it out on your own. You're fine. You do not need someone's help. Yeah. Pride. Like you talked about as well. Yeah. Asking for help was quitting. Yes. And I'm a failure and this and that. So, um, I would say that's like an easy cop out surface level. Like this was a vulnerability I had on myself. I had to go through with it and, and just say, Hey, I I'm lacking in this department. I need to step it up. Um, when it comes to like relationships, not just obviously romantic, but friendships, um, I have had to learn to be vulnerable in those and not kind of like how Christian said, like essentially sweep stuff under the rug and, I don't have time to worry about this. Like they pissed me off or whatever. I'm just going to keep on moving and hold a bitterness and a resentment and then eventually become numb because I'm not letting myself feel anything. Right. I have had to start to rework my brain to where it's when I see something, I got to say something mm. when I see it's a trend or when it's something drastic one t- one time. Like if you do something one time where it's like, Oh, it's kind of annoying. I'm not going to say that every time because then I'm a pessimist and I'm just n- nitpicking every single thing you do. Yeah. Like, I, I've kind of shifted myself to where like when I see a trend, then I'm going to bring something up mm-hmm. and have this conversation like, Hey, I don't like how this makes me feel. I don't like this. This isn't like matching what we're supposed to be doing here. Um, and it's hard, like hard, oh, yeah. especially when it comes to like, especially with Courtney and in a more intimate vulnerability level, I never have seen, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but in any relationship really in my life, not like my relationships, but parents, aunts, uncles, all that. I've never seen levels of vulnerability or heard like stories of like, yeah, you gotta be this and that. It's the man's like, nah, I'm a locked up fortress. Like nothing's getting in and out. Right. And I just take care of business and there's bickering or fighting, whatever. And I just thought that was normal. And having to be able to like, no, I feel this way because of this. Let's work on a resolution together. Bro, those conversations, I thought like the relationship would have ended and the old me because like I felt like if I brought stuff to the table, it was going to be the end of it mm-hmm. or something drastic was going to happen because I brought something negative up yeah. because it was not a normality. Like conflict resolution was not a normality and that all ties into vulnerability in my opinion. So Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Uh, one, one area when you're talking about like negativity, um, I think we all can say that <laughs> there have been areas in our lives when it comes to our families where we've seen a lot of negativity and I've growing up if you brought that to the table immediately shut down you're the one punished you're the one mm-hmm. that how dare you speak to me that way because you're feeling this way that that is a big thing to where it's like oh that I, that's what we almost learn then as men oh I'll never bring anything up again yep. I'll never be able to express how I feel because this is the result of it. And I think now, especially in our world and in our culture, when it comes to friendships, I think that's starting to go away. I, and I'm grateful for, um, but I think that's one thing that got in the way of me being vulnerable is that I couldn't bring anything to my family's attention because it would, it would turn on you. They'd yeah. use it against you. And I think that's a big thing for people too, is a big thing about vulnerability is you are trusting that that person is willing and able and is going to receive what you have to give them, whether it's positive or whether it's negative. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability is a big, like, 
like you're trusting that person in a huge way. And so I guess vulnerability and trust can kind of go hand in hand. Um, and so question, another question I want to ask is how can you, um, trust people with your vulnerability? So like for me, I had to learn, especially when it came to pride to let go of my pride and to be vulnerable when I need help and to be vulnerable when I have questions or be vulnerable when I'm struggling and not, um, allow my own thoughts to be used against me, but I'm, I'm breaking this to the table because I want to get better. Mm. So like, how can we trust people with our vulnerability? My, this is something I feel like I've talked about a lot lately with like with you guys. And I always t take it down to like the friend circles level. The, um, I think when it comes to trusting people with your vulnerability, it's not testing them, but like easing into it. I'm not going to go to someone and meet them and give them everything and give, give them the depths of who I am um, to get in, like into that core circle of like, you know, three to five people that are, Hey, these people pretty much know everything about my life. You had to go through a quote unquote vetting process to get to that end and know that I, I know your heart. I know your actions. I know who you are, the way your brain works and like that I can, Hey, if I come to you and say, I need this to stay with you. And like, I'm just trying to get help and better myself and accountability. And the more that it works for us and that trust is built is what makes me like, all right, we're good now. Yeah. It's been something so big. We're like, I had used to be like, it was only my close knit circle. And that was all I talked to. And I was like, if you're not in this, I don't care about you. Yeah. And I've learned, nope. Like there's fat, there's levels, facets of like friendship and connection and networking, yeah. whether it be work or church or family or friends that we meet anywhere else. Like there's just levels and being okay with like people going in and out of them too. Like they can go from circle to circle and back and forth and remove themselves as well. So I would say it's just a lot of like a vetting process, quote unquote of, Hey, I'm going to give you a little bit. What's it look like when I give you that little bit? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I would say like my thing is, Whereas you were saying, Hunter, like growing up, you would bring it to the table and then it would become like this big whole thing of like, well, you know, you messed up. Mine was a little bit different to where it just like, I, I don't know how to explain how it was responded to, but generally it wasn't that aggressive. It was just kind of more of a, almost like a complacency. Mm. Or like a feeling of just not really having time to deal with it, mm. um, which just kind of led to me just not bringing it up and just not essentially assuming that no one cared. Um, and so that I've noticed has leaked into how I handle friendships. Wow. And because growing up, it was like this person said they really care about me, but they never really check up on me. So, okay, like they still care about me. And so in turn, like my friendships, that's, I don't expect you to check up on me, but in turn, I don't really check up on my friends. And that's, that's something that I try to work on. But then like on the same sense, when it comes to like telling about what's going on in my life, like people don't know what's going on in my life half the time. And mm. it's not because I'm being secretive. It's just because I don't think to like <laughs> tell yeah. people, you know yeah. what I mean? Like if I'm here physically with you, 
Like, sure, I'll be like, oh, hey, this is what's going on. Like, this is what we're getting into, blah, 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 blah. But, like, if I don't see you, you're going to have no clue. <laughs> like, it's and it's not because I'm like, I don't want to tell you or I don't care. It's just because, like, like I've got that, like, three-foot view. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you're not texting me, I'm not texting you. And that's not a, like, oh, well, if you don't text me, I'm not texting you kind of thing. It's just, yeah. like, that's just how my brain works. Like, if you're not texting me, then cool. Like, you're doing your thing. I'm not going to bother you. And I'm doing my thing. Like, that's just kind of how it is. And yeah. so, like, Megan has, has brought it up to me a couple times. And she's like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? Like, when we were dating and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just working. Like, I'm just doing this thing. And I'm just, like, getting into this and all that. And she's just like, well, I want to know. Like, I want to know what you're doing. I want to know what you're getting into. And I'm just like, well, all right. Why? I was, like, I'm, I was like, I'm sitting at home. I'm just watching YouTube, playing video games. And she's like, oh, cool. What are you watching? And I'm just like, I'm just watching uh, watching Top Gear. Like, I'm just like hanging out at home. And she's like, oh, cool. I've never heard Top Gear. And I'm just like, what is going on, bro? I'm like, why do you care? Like, and yeah. so, and it's like, it, it was just like this concept I never considered. And like, but even then, still to this day, like, I'm still kind of the same way. I'm like, I won't talk to somebody for like three months and I'll realize, oh, shoot. Yeah, a bunch of stuff has happened, man. Like, <laughs> what's been going on with you like oh man a bunch of stuff's happened in your life too and it's like it's not intentional it's yeah. just i grew up with that like mm. gotta keep moving don't have time for that gotta keep moving it's okay put it away blah, blah, blah. like mm. and so yeah it's so wild to see the difference because i'm the different where it's like my brain tells me to check in on people more often but i get so exhausted from doing it for everybody and then my brain switches into a natural because i have been like wronged by so many people I did go into the, well, they didn't text me. I'm not going to text them. It's so weird to hear yours is almost polar opposite of like what my brain naturally did growing up. And it's like, I wanted to be in there. I wanted to tell everybody like that I was close with all the big stuff. Like I want, I want people to know that when I'm close with them and it got to a point where like I had to do the opposite of you where you have to force yourself to reach out. I had to force myself to stop reaching out so much. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm over exerting myself. I need to relax. And when I've gotten to that point too, with some friends, like I've had some people that I, I consider to be really, really close friends. And like, I held them at like this level and then the proverbial S hit the fan with my life. And they very clearly did not hold me to that same level. And that sucked a lot. And that really made me want to just revert back to that. Like, all right, I'm just going to do my stuff. You do your stuff kind of deal. Um, and in some ways I have like, another thing too like is if you if you take breaks from social media you take breaks from from you know whatever you take a break from like if it's a social thing people are just not going to reach out to you yeah they'll just be like oh man i haven't seen christian post in like three months yep it's like oh shoot he hasn't posted in like three months like what's going on but then people still won't reach out like people won't care and that's fine like i'm not it's not a cry for help like i'm not asking you to reach (laughs) out to me but like that's just how it is, man. Yeah. It's also funny to see because he talks about like you purposely not being secretive. Like it's just if you're not present, you don't think to tell them. Yeah. I'm the so opposite, bro. I keep everything <laughs> locked under on oh, purpose. Oh, yeah, we know. Like, Hunter, <laughs> Hunter, tell everybody like how early you found out I was going to propose. Like, when did I tell you? Oh, right before you about to do it. <laughs> on the way to pick Courtney up is when I told Hunter. Like, <laughs> I think that's fine, though. That's I just, different. I like that's how I operate in everything though. I'm talking about like your mental stability. I even keep that under lock until it's like visible sometimes. Mm, see now that's where it gets bad. Yeah, I know. Trust me, I'm well aware. 
it's just it's it, it is still hard like i get all the good of it and it's n like a necessity yeah but my brain still is like no i'm good i got this like let me just lock up and level up real quick like yeah no, it's not that easy yeah when it for me what i've started to realize when it comes to my vulnerability and with people especially like people that know the inner depths of what i feel and what i think that is maybe two people two people tops um Eh, four you two and pa pastor jesse and my wife know the inner depths of what i'm thinking what i'm feeling any frustration that i have and, it's, and like you said it's really important to have that tight of a circle of people that you can be very vulnerable with because those are the people that'll help you get out of a really dark place being vulnerable with a open-ended group of people and you're telling them they're like hey like thought about jumping off the roof like like that's where you know your character um can easily get um corrupted and that's not what vulnerability is meant to do vulnerability um when it comes to being vulnerable um it's it's meant to point you in, in the right direction it meant to it's meant to advance you and it doesn't pull you back or or remove you from any kind of potential that you have for your future um but the number one thing that vulnerability does is is it it will allow you to experience healing mm -hmm. i think all of us in the circle have experienced healing in some kind of way physically emotionally um spiritually um whether it comes to friendships relationships like your physical body being healed like things like that um us as Christ followers, we believe that God heals. Mm -hmm. And so one way, even outside of just prayer and outside of like petitioning to God, one way that I've experienced healing uh, emotionally is through vulnerability, from talking to a pastor, from talking to a counselor, talking to my wife, and being able to have a person that can give me advice to be able to get me out of my rut. And so I wanna ask you guys a question. Have you experienced a moment of vulnerability that has helped you experience healing? I just want to say Hunter's coming with the questions tonight, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, he's running the episode. Uh, he's <laughs> killing it right now. Um, say it one more time. A level of vulnerability. That has helped you experience healing. And I'm not talking about just physical, because that, that's different. But mostly we're talking about emotionally and yeah. I would say mostly emotionally. Um, I would say to get deeper than what I have in some of my responses is um, vulnerability with Courtney has helped me heal a lot of my past. Um, both of you know, like I went through a really rough time where like it was like abuse essentially. It was like not abuse. That's a really drastic word to use, but just I was wronged and my trust was broken. Um, my spirit felt broken at some point and everything about me felt wrong mm. and none of that was like Courtney obviously but being able to open up to her so she can understand how my brain works or my PTSD responses work has honestly helped me be able to heal from a lot of my past where I was taken advantage of um, and it's something that I always felt that I had to bury and just not talk about it and not make it my identity and in reality, those response trauma responses still lingered because of that, mm. because I was just overlooking it and trying to sweep it under the rug. Like that wasn't the right thing to do. And I didn't go to counseling at first when I, 
when it all happened and I knew I should have, but because of finances in that moment, I was just like, this is more important. I got to take care of other stuff. Um, but being able to open up about genuinely what I went through, how it made me feel and why some things today, even in friendships still trigger me back to those memories. Like just talking about it and explaining it to her as much as she was willing to listen has healed. I mean, honestly a lot of what I felt back then. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Um, for me, uh, it took a moment of vulnerability that honestly, uh, I don't know how to say it. Not that it, honestly, it humiliated me. Mm. It almost got to a point to where I had to humiliate myself to allow myself to get forward. And so there was an addiction that I was holding onto for a very long time that crept into like my relationship with Lauren. Mm. And it took me to talking to somebody and saying, hey, I'm dealing with this. Yeah. Um, you could probably fill in the blank. Um, but it wasn't until someone was able to help me shed light on it and I was able to put words to it and was able to say, I've been doing this for this long and I'm tired of doing it. Yeah. And it took to that moment of to where I had to almost humiliate myself to um, experience the healing and the freedom that I have experienced now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because I had one person who was able to go to the deepest, darkest parts of my life and pull me out of it. And if it weren't for me being willing and able to do that, I think still today I would be stuck in that rut. Mm-hmm. I'd still be stuck in that habit and that addiction. And um, still to this, not not as much to this day, but like there are still parts of me that, I have a very addictive personality Um, uh, when it comes to, I mean, bro, like it's hard for me to stop drinking Mountain Dew. Like when it comes to like little things, even like that. Yeah. And it was hard for me at one point to stop smoking cigarettes. And it was one point in my life. It was hard for me to stop looking at that website. It was Mm -hmm. hard for me to stop spending money. And I've had always that addictive personality generations before me, um, just drug addiction, alcohol abuse, that has been a huge thing, like it's been a part of my life, and nobody in my family was willing to attack it. Mm-hmm. Nobody in my family was willing to say like this is a problem, and so it almost took myself to a point to where it was like all these things that have kind of been like a p- ingrained in me, ingrained in my DNA when it comes to addiction, like it needs to stop. Yeah, and it 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 took everything out of me to do it. But I can tell you right now that I'm so much better because of it. Yeah. So much better. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that, like, one thing I try to do is, um, like, I used to be very silently vindictive. Like, I never was openly, like, I shouldn't say never. There were definitely times that I was openly. But, like, um... I never really tried to show grudges and tried to like hold grudges as much. Um, but I did like hardcore. Um, or I would like make a mistake or do something wrong and rather than own up to it, just like let it be or, you know, make excuses or try to get around it or whatever. 
And one thing I've really, really been trying to do the last like couple years is like, if I mess up, if, you know, I notice something or if I say something wrong or if I just notice something's weird, like trying to step into that awkward conversation of like, hey, I'm sorry, or hey, you know, are we all right? Or hey, like, I'm an idiot. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, just just not holding on to that pridefulness of like, well, they're gonna text me first, or mm. well, I didn't mess up, or like something along those lines. Like, recognizing when those situations come up and just being able to sit there and just be like, you know what? I need to apologize for that. Mm. Like, let's talk it out. Even if it's just me saying, hey, my bad. This is my reasoning behind it. Even if there's no reason behind it. Just straight up be like, I made a dumb choice. I apologize. Like, I've... Uh, it's it's so much easier, and it's... Honestly, it shows so much of your character to own up to mistakes than to just let them lie. Yeah. And I think that that's just one of those things, too. Like, that's not something that's necessarily been instilled in me. It's just a, like... Oh, I'm afraid they'll get mad or, Oh, I don't really want to deal with that situation. Like whether it be this or that, but like being like, Hey, I'm sorry. I apologize. This is what happened and not giving an excuse for it. Just straight up being like my bad. Like that puts the ball in that person's court and that just lets them know, Hey, like I messed up. I'm sorry. If they want to still be mad about it, like no ill will. And that's how I always have been as of late since I've started, you know, trying to focus on this stuff is like, I'm not going into it expecting them to accept the apology. If they do awesome, but like, I'm not going into it. And then if they say, well, screw you that I just go right back into feeling the way that I did before. Like, cause that's not the point. The point is to step in and be like, Hey, like let it go, let it be out of your body and put it out on the table and be like, I apologize. Or, you know, we have this disagreement. What did I do wrong? You know, let's talk it out. Stuff like that. Because holding it in is just, it just eats away at you. Yeah. And so sometimes it sucks because sometimes you, you do. You have to admit, like, I made a really, really stupid choice and I'm really sorry. And sometimes they can respond and be like, yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, sometimes you know? it's not always, oh, it's okay. Yeah. Like... No, sometimes it's like, how dare you? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you know? it's like, wow, and really bold of you to like own up to that right now. And she'd be like, ah, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, well, you can go F yourself. I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. But I do apologize. Like, uh -huh. I, you it doesn't just, yeah. change do that. it at all. Yeah. Like, I'm still standing yeah. on that. You should, I totally understand. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Have, I bet, you know, have a good one. Yeah. Like, that's like how you can do. Like, because then if you retaliate, it doesn't help anything yeah. you know then you guys both are still mad at each other mm -hmm. you guys both still have that hate in your heart yeah like i'm a firm believer that if you own up to your your problems you own up to your mistakes and you apologize to somebody that eventually that will clear yeah i'm not saying that it's going to be sunshine and rainbows and you guys are going to best friends again but that environment between you two will clear yeah you may never speak again that is but a real scenario the environment will clear eventually. Yeah. Like, and I feel like so much of what we've talked about tonight too is like, we've all kind of mentioned vulnerability is not our normal. Vulnerability is not what we were taught. I believe, especially when it comes to vulnerability, so much of it, you have to cultivate. 
when you naturally don't want to do it, you have to make that decision. We're going to do it anyways. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it's it, vulnerability is not something that will just like happen overnight. Like you just wake up one morning. It's like, Oh, we're good. I'm vulnerable with people. And I know my limits and boundaries and who to tell what and when to, no, that doesn't happen. Like it is hard work. It is practice and repetition and repetition and repetition and repetition. Yeah. To get it to be a normal, but like, it's so worth it because in my opinion as well, without vulnerability, you're not going to have a tight knit, deep friendship with someone very true or connection with someone like it's literally impossible if you don't let someone know the depths of who you are you will never be close with that person like it just it can't happen it's always gonna be surface level and it's like man browns versus the Bengals. i tell you what <laughs> and then you just move on with your day like hey how you doing at work oh, it's good how's the weather it's good bro you and know you about dhk in. or yeah whatever. <laughs> dh gate <Yeah>, whatever yes. <laughs> like it's just super surface level like who cares like let me tell you what i there are two two friendships I have off the bat. Yeah. That is which two? No 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 no. Okay. <laughs> Nobody at this table. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. Well, I haven't even heard you said it. You might be like, I had two friendships right off the bat that so Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> that it's it it's only surface level where it's only oh did you see the score of Yep. The Reds won again. Yeah. Yeah. See ya. Who is it? And it's super awkward. It's, it's not like they listen. It's only surface level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, don't, it, don't it, say their name. We it don't need sucks. to start that. And it's, <laughs> it, it hurts even more when it's someone and it's like, I want a deeper friendship with you, but mm-hmm. you just can't comprehend. Yeah. Even if like you were to tell them blatantly, some people just won't comprehend it. I have a friend. He's one of my favorite people in this world. I love him to death. And like we just clicked right away. Um, We were texting the other day. And we were just going through some stuff and talking about like faith and life and everything else that we're trying to pursue and like our values. And he said something weird and I was like, oh, did it get too, too real, too deep, too mushy for you? And he was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, it's okay. You'll get used to it, buddy. And like, it's just a matter of not just like calling people out kind of like I did there blatantly of just like, hey, we got to make this happen. Um, but it's also just like cultivating it like naturally just do it lead with it and see if they follow and see if they match energy but regardless of what method you take it's not someone's fault like if they weren't taught or shown or led in that direction where it's normal because i mean all three of us kind of said like we have our different takes on how we grew up and it wasn't necessarily the norm of what we're trying to do now of how we grew up so yeah did you have someone say christian if I did, I don't remember. Oh, I was gone. Okay. Because we had to take a bit of a break there because Hunter <laughs> broke the computer. Um, <laughs> Darn, but, Hunter. Hunter. Like, yeah, I kind of resonate with that because, like, sometimes, you, <laughs> for lack of a better term, you got to be somebody else's dad because maybe mm, their dad that hit them the way, wrong way too hard. That that was too that was too much there. Yeah, I'm. That <laughs> is sorry. That is, Sometimes you got to put your hand on somebody else's shoulder and be like, it's all right, man. It's all right, bud. We got about this. It, you know? And that sucks. But the important thing is that if you go through the point where you're comfortable saying that to them, then that means it's time for you to transition into that role. Oh, that's incredible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, come on. So, like, for me personally, like, I feel like I'm kind of reaching that point where, like, I'm comfortable talking about all the stuff I'm going through. And like, I'm comfortable sharing that and I'm comfortable going whatever. So then 
not just youth kids. Obviously, it's easier to find kids that are, or it's easier to find people who are shut down when you're in a youth group because, duh, teenagers <laughs> don't want to talk about their feelings. But like, definitely keeping an eye out for like close and intentional friends that maybe have signs of like things that I also did and also were going through, and being able to sit there and be like. Not hit it right on the nose and be like, you, ha, you're uncomfortable with your feelings. Talk about it. <laughs> like, you're not going to hit them with that energy. But, like, just being there and being like, hey, man, like, if you're going through some stuff, like, I'm here for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and to counter that, being so intentional about respecting whatever they want you to do with that information. Mm, yeah. yeah. If they're like, hey, this is strictly between you and I. Yep. Be like, all right. And you stay true to that. Yep. 100%. The only thing, and I I vocalize this, and I've told kids this, I've told friends this, I've told whatever. I'm like, the only time that anything you say to me will leave me is if you're going to hurt yourself. Yep, absolutely. That is it. Yeah. I said, and even then, I will physically come to you and be there with you before I tell anybody else. Yeah. Yep. But if it gets to a point where I feel like I can't be there, I feel like I can't get there in time, something along those lines, then I will, quote, unquote, break that trust and tell somebody else. Yeah. But if you're just like, hey, man, I'm going through a rough time right now, like, blah, 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 I'm not going to go to Hunter. I'm not going to go to Brian and be like, bro, you won't believe it. Such right. and such is going through this right now. Like, yeah. I'm never in a million years would I ever consider doing that because you can spend years working up a relationship with somebody to the point where they'll tell you that. And the minute that you break that trust, all of that's gone. Yep. Yep. For, for sure. everyone, not for just good. for you. And the chances of them trusting anybody else from that point forward is like way less than it was even before they started trusting you. Yep. And it's just like, you gotta, you know, just keep an eye out for that kind of stuff. Preach. Well, boys, it's all I got. Any Anything else? Any closing then? Be a good friend, man. Yeah. Be a good watch friend. out. Watch out. I was going to say watch out for your brothers, but watch out for your brothers and your sisters. Yeah. Because like I was talking about previously with the changing society and changing whatever, like we are going to have generations of women now who may grow up in a role like that. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. may grow up in a role where maybe dad wasn't there or maybe dad was there, but he wasn't there. Yeah. And she had to take on the role or, you know, maybe mom expected a whole lot out of her and she wanted to just not deal with it and shut down. And like, Very true. you, and not even to discredit, you know, past generations that women and, you know, our parents' generation, the generation before were just like sad saps that told everything because that's not true in the slightest. But like, just be aware of that. Yeah. Like, yes, we obviously did focus on the, the male side of it because we're dudes, but like, there's a lot of women out there that have the same stuff. Yeah. They shut down and don't show emotion because like, well, how can I be a good mom if I'm going through the same stuff that my kids are going through? Yeah. Mm. You know, if I'm sad all the time, they're going to be sad all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's such an important thing to, to find people that you're comfortable with that you can let those emotions out Yeah. and they don't judge you. Yeah. Um, I think I have two things I'll, I'll just try to rattle through quickly. One, Um, especially with vulnerability and like getting close with people we talked about it I just heard or read somewhere one time where it's literally you have to let someone get close enough to hurt you for them to love you Mm -hmm. on a deep level Yeah, and vice versa like for you to love them as well so like you have to realize that protecting yourself and putting up walls is not the most effective way to grow close to someone 
you have to let those down. You have to be vulnerable. It, you have to, like we talked about earlier, trust that they won't hurt you. Um, and then he, like Hunter kind of sprinkled some on there earlier, like us as believers. I think there's a level of vulnerability we have with God as well. Um, we can still, God is all knowing and knows what's on our minds, what's on our hearts and what we're doing. But there's still a level of coming to God and saying, I did this and I screwed up. Or I don't want to feel this anyway. God work within me and create something new. Um, there's something to say just about a level of vulnerability in your prayers to God of like, this is what I'm going through. So I'm struggling with, I want this, but like God have your way. Um, so just emphasizing the vulnerability in our faith too. That's great. That's awesome. That's all I got, man. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Cultivate you got, it. Uh, you got any good stories? You got any good, you got anything out of this episode? Definitely uh, drop us a line on, on discord. Um, you know, if your, your, your pipeline's a little full and you need God to reroute it, you know what I'm saying? As Toby Mac said, Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> if you, uh, if you, if you want to get out there and frizzle fry or whatever, oh <laughs> make sure you hop on over to the discord and disciple and just, that's, his, that's the translation. <laughs> <laughs> just get on over to the discord and, and chat with us, man. We love to, we love to talk with you. We love to goof off with you, but as always, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and Carson. 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 Nerd. And Carson. The floosh. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week. Peace out. Okay, bye. Smother, so we hit the road, switching lanes over this game over. And we ride till he say over. Rap game, here's your makeover. Still three amigos when the day's over. Fun. Uh-huh.